For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, each one of you who support the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with your prayer and contributions. God is not unjust to forget your prayer and support for this personal ministry of the Word of God to your own heart. Our study continues in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, as Luke writes of the beginnings of God's church. And Dr. Mitchell speaks of the commencement, the continuance, and the growth of this new church. And this new body of believers, being observed by others, was meeting from house to house and in the temple. Luke also writes that the Lord was adding day by day those who were being saved. Now Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, you remember, that upon this rock I will build my church. As the word of God is proclaimed, God does build his church. Here's Dr. Mitchell, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, on the Unchanging Word, Bible Broadcast. Good day, friends, and how glad I am for the prayers of you people. You know, I, I rejoice in the mail that I get because so many are being blessed and helped, and we appreciate more than I can say your prayers for us as we seek day after day to bring to you the precious Word of God. My only great desire is that Christ be exalted, that in some way you, by the Spirit of God, may know the Savior in a very, very intimate way. You know, he, the Lord is not only our Savior, but He's the one with whom we can have daily intimate fellowship. Remember, remember He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not a day, not an hour, not a second. 
that he ever leaves us. Oh, the marvel of it all. He knows every test. He knows every trial. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our joys. He knows the desires of our hearts. In fact, I would say with the 139th Psalm, he knows our thoughts are far off. And yet he still stays with us. Isn't that the amazing thing? Isn't that the amazing thing? Even though he knows all about our failure and our weaknesses and our failures, he still never leaves us. He never leaves us. Still yearning for your fellowship and my fellowship. My, what a Savior. My, what a Lord we have. And as we read this book of Acts, may we more and more fall in love with him. And may we be like the disciples of old, be filled with the Spirit of God and communicate to our generation something of the wonders and the marvels of his precious grace. Now we're in the book of Acts chapter 2. We've just finished Peter's message, and the result of that message, they were convicted in their hearts, their consciences were pricked, and they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter tells them what to do, to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They would receive the Spirit of God. And I read in verse 41, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. But they've had quite a job. Those 12 disciples, those 12 apostles, they baptized 3,000 people, bearing testimony to Israel that this Jesus, whom they had crucified a few weeks before, was their Savior, was the Lord from heaven, and that he was on the throne of God. And he was the one who was fulfilling the 16th Psalm and the 110th Psalm, not only raised from the dead, as prophesied in 16th Psalm, but also on the throne of God. For the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy the footstool of your feet. This Jesus, whom we said we will not have this man reign over us, is now our Savior. I tell you, it was a wonderful thing for those people to be baptized in the name of the one whom they nailed to a cross. It's hard for you and me today as Gentiles in the 20th century. Uh, it's never got a hold of us like this. Because when you accept the Savior, the chances are you, you were brought to the Savior and were brought into a church, and you joined the church, you were baptized, and you were among friends. But these were baptized in the name of the one whom that generation had crucified. And when Pilate said to them, I'll, I'll scourge him and let him go, they said, if you, scourge, if you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. I'll tell you, if you... If you let him go, if you don't crucify him, we'll tell Caesar about this because Jesus made himself the Son of God. And now these 3,000 were saying, we believe he is the Son of God. We believe that he's the Savior, the Christ of God, the fulfiller of the 16th Psalm, the one who died in the 22nd Psalm for us. And they were publicly acknowledging their union the Savior, oh, that we Christians today could recognize it, joined, eternally joined, to the man at God's right hand, who first of all bore away our sins, was buried, was raised and exalted to be a prince and a Savior. How wonderful, how wonderful here 
over 1,900 years afterwards, you and I can accept the Savior, bear testimony to the world that this Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, is now on the throne. He's our Savior. And God has left us down here on the earth. What for? To tell others about him. And if we don't tell people about him, who will? Nobody. Nobody. You see, we are to rejoice in his mercy, but we are to declare his faithfulness. And God still loves people. He loves you, my friend. He loved you enough to die for you. I'm talking to some who've never accepted the Savior. Friend, let me tell you, he loved you enough to send his son 1,900 years ago to make provision for you today to belong to him, to have life everlasting, to have the remission of sins, to be forgiven every transgression fitted for the presence of God, to be the object of his love and of his mercy. I tell you what a Savior we have. Now let's look at the early church verse 41 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to read. I'll take the time to read this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Or if I may change the reading there, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Now here you have a little picture of the first few weeks of the early church. Notice its commencement. In verse 41, they gladly received the word of God. How did you? (laughs) I could never think of dear old Zacchaeus in Luke 19, do you remember? Zacchaeus received Jesus gladly into his house. How did you receive him? Sometimes when I see people, I wonder if they have any joy at all in the Savior. They received him gladly. I tell you, my friend, when I think of the great price that Christ has paid for our redemption, how otherwise could we receive him but receive him gladly? And they received his word gladly. And they were baptized. And the same day there were 3,000 added to the church. This is the beginning, the commencement of the church. Not only the 12, not only the 120, but he had 3,000 men and women were added to the church. In verse 42, you have its continuation. Now, in verse 41, it's commencement. In 42, it's continuation. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. You see, they continued steadfastly in teaching, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in prayer, and can I add another one? And in love. Well, verse 44 says they had all things common. All that believed were together had all things common. Sold their possessions and goods, parted them to every man as each one had need. My, what a wonderful thing. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. 
great need for that today. Here are people who have come out and accepted the one whom they crucified, and they stayed in the apostles' doctrine, teaching. In other words, they were every day they were being taught the word of God. The disciples had been taught for 40 days by the Savior after resurrection. Now they were imparting to them by the Spirit of God, this new company. They were taught the Word of God. What a great need today for teaching. How many babes in Christ, how many of those who have accepted the Savior have never been taught, never been fed the Word of God? What a tragedy. No one has so many fall by the wayside. No one has so many have become indifferent. No one has so many been entrapped by by a materialistic philosophy of life. We become so occupied with things and with the world and the things of the world, we haven't time to be taught the Word of God. Oh, how glad I am for children's classes, for home Bible classes, for everyone who takes the time to get into the Word of God. And let me say very bluntly, my Christian friend, if you do not get into the Word of God and know what you believe and give a reason for the hope within you, I don't know how you're going to stand in these coming days. But I tell you, my friend, there are countries today that are already passing laws against Christianity. And don't be surprised. Don't say to me, it'll never happen here. It could happen here. There are men in high government places who would like to stamp out Christianity, real Christianity. And if ever there was a time when we Christians needed to pray for our government, for our land, it's today. We see disintegration all over the world. Uh, we see national suicide in some countries. And friends, unless we Christians get down and pray for our land, may the Lord have mercy on us. I say this kindly. I say this with a heart that's heavy. When I see the coldness and the indifference of God's people, we evangelicals, who we who claim to love the Savior, I'm reminded of the exaltation to Timothy to pray for all men, for all in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. And if we do not have a quiet and peaceable life in America, it's because the Christians have not prayed. And God is looking for men who would pray. I say again, let us get into the Word of God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship. Oh, how we need fellowship one with another, that fellowship one with each other, and in the breaking of bread. Now, whether this means the Lord's table or it means just having fellowship together in your meals, uh, both could be true, but they were having fellowship fellowship together with the Savior, and in prayer. You know, it's an amazing thing how so few of God's people, comparatively speaking, know much about getting together for prayer. Uh, someone has well said at the prayer meeting is the gauge uh, of, a, of a local assembly. And when I think of how many may come out for Sunday, two and three meetings together on Sunday morning, have to have two and three meetings, and yet come to prayer meeting, you take a small room for your prayer meeting. Oh, if ever there was a time when we, who are God's people, needed to pray, it's today. Pray for each other, to encourage each other. God has put into your hand and my hand a tremendous weapon 
It can move the throne of God. It can move the heart of God. It can move nations. And you and I have never yet seen what God will do in answering prayer. For the ear of the Lord is open to the cry of the righteous. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and the Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. I've oftentimes said that old English expression, the Lord cocks his ear to hear the faintest cry of his weakest child. He loves you. I've been talking about it. That he's joined you to himself. That is your Lord that is on the throne. And if you want a quiet and peaceable life in all sobriety, the answer is prayer. Oh, listen, my friend. And I talk to you men in the same passage I'm quoting from, quoting from 1 Timothy chapter 2, where it starts, I exhort therefore that first of all prayers, intercession, the giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 8, I will that the men pray everywhere. Andreas, the men pray, holding up holy hands. In the early church, they were in the midst of those who had crucified the Lord of glory, but they listened to the teaching of the apostles. They were in daily fellowship one with another, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers together. And then, in verses 43 and 44, Wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, had all things common. There was great love. There was love among the people of God. There was fear on those on the outside. You say, well, that can't happen now, you know, Mr. Mitchell. We're in the 20th century. We're, we're surrounded by a different kinds of at atmosphere than you had then. But let me tell you, this little wee church in Jerusalem of 3,000 souls were in the midst of a nation that crucified the Lord of glory. That generation had said, we won't have this man to reign over us. And they nailed him to a cross and cast him out. And now he's exalted. And they rejoiced and had all things in common. And they were full of love one for another. Oh, how we need that today, willing to sacrifice for the other. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to men, that is, the believers, as every man had need. Everyone was taken care of. We need that too. This is the expression of love. For me to say, I love my brother, and I see he has a need and don't meet his need, well, John raises the question, how dwelleth the love of God in him? quoting 1 John chapter 3. And then you have the growth of the church, verses 46 to 47. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, fellowship. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to the church those that were being saved. Not only the 3,000, Others kept coming in. Well, you couldn't help it. Here were the people in love with the Savior. They'd openly declared by baptism they were joined to the Lord Jesus, whom they'd crucified. Now there was a bond. They were knitted together in Christ. The Spirit of God joined them together in Christ. They were baptized into one body. They were made one with each other. No fighting. No envy or jealousy. 
They had everything in common. There was great love one for the other. And they continued daily worshiping the Savior. And they were full of praise to God. You know, we sing that little chorus, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever and make known his faithfulness to all generations. And when you've experienced his mercy, you'll make known his faithfulness. And that's what these were doing. God was faithful to them, even though they had turned their backs on the Savior, even though they had crucified the Lord of glory, he still loved them. And here over 3,000 were brought to him, and day by day many were being joined to the church of Christ. And they were brought into a loving atmosphere, in a trusting atmosphere, and they were one with each other. I tell you, if I might put it this way, it was an instructed, joyful, loving, growing, praying, worshiping church. Wouldn't you like to have that in your church? Huh? Well, you can. You continue steadfastly in the teaching of the Word of God. Enjoying the fellowship with your fellow saints. But some of them, I don't like them, Mr. Mitchell. I don't like them. I wish they'd go to some other church. You've lost something, my friend. You've lost your vision of Christ. The Lord loves them. The Lord died for them. And they went from house to house, breaking bread, having fellowship one with another. And they were meeting together for praying, for prayer. You know, I cannot but think of that. The church in Seoul, in Korea, at five o'clock in the morning, there's five to six thousand meet for prayer before they ever go to work. Five o'clock in the morning, day after day, they meet for prayer. Well, you see, that's in career. Yes, and they haven't got what you've got. We've been, I say it again, we've become so entangled with the affairs of this world and the affairs of this life. I'm reminded of of one of Paul's own partners. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil age. We've lost something. Oh, God grant in your church, in my church, whatever local assembly you belong to, God grant we'll stay in the Word of God. We'll have fellowship with everyone in that church and in prayer and in love and the breaking of bread. You're saying it grows. A church like that will grow. People say, my, how they love each other. Of course, they'll grow. And when they see the love, people will be brought in. And the Lord added to the church such as were being saved. May I make that statement again? This early church was an instructed, joyful, loving, growing, praying, worshiping church. Wouldn't you like that in yours? You think about that. And you take this passage and read it and read it and reread it. And may the Lord grant to you and to me the great joy of walking in the fellowship and blessing of the Savior. And may God grant you'll have that joy today because that's the thing he wants is your fellowship today. It's not that you are waiting for him. He's waiting for you. And may you walk with him today.
small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.